Hello, and welcome to Core Talk X. My name is Jason Footko. I'm the co-founder of CoreConnex. Um, and I'm here with Nick Antaki from Regulation D Resources. Um, I'm just in terms of background, I, uh, if anyone's not watched these core talks before and seen us talk, my name's Jason. I'm, uh, I've been in the corporate finance advisory services role. I'm a CPA by training, and uh, I'm the co-founder of a company called CoreConnex. Um, we're here doing this talk today to learn a little bit more about compliance. Uh, I've got Nick on the line, and Nick is the general counsel of Regulation D Resources. Nick, do you want to maybe just start by giving people a little bit of background as to what you do and, and what Regulation D Resources does? And, and maybe we can start with that. Sure. So my name is Nicholas Antaki. I am general counsel for Regulation D Resources. At Reg D Resources, we draft up offering documentation as well as create portals, investor portals for uh, private offerings, Regulation D, Regulation CF, and Regulation A. What that means is that we'll assemble all of your corporate documents. Um, we will put it in a compliant disclosure um, for whether it's a Form D, a Form C, or a Form 1A, uh, to where you can raise capital from private investors in the private markets. Okay, great, great. Um, so we're seeing, uh, at least within our world, uh, an increase in compliance requirements, generally speaking, um, as, as time passes, there's more and more requirements on small companies, medium-sized companies, and even on public companies. From, from your perspective, um, you know, what is, that, uh, what is that relevant change? What, what is the compliance requirements when it comes to small businesses? So for private offerings, your, your compliance really derives from that Regulation D, whether it's 506B or 506C, Regulation CF, and Regulation A. Uh, those all have different maximum offering amounts. They all have different disclosure requirements. Compliance for those really derives from those regulations. Um, for Regulation D, you're putting out what's called a Private Placement Memorandum, or a PPM. Um, and there are different disclosure requirements for 506B if you're going to raise from non-accredited investors and accredited investors, and 506C accredited investors only. Furthermore, if you go even deeper, there are different advertising requirements for those. With 506B, you cannot generally solicit. With 506C, you can generally solicit, but you can only direct that solicitation or advertising for the offering to accredited investors. That has its own uh, its own requirements. Regulation CF, you're allowed to raise up to $5 million from the general public, from the Main Street investor. However, you have to file a Form C with that. That Form C has its own disclosure requirements. And with Regulation A, you're allowed to raise up to $75 million. It's a much heavier lift than Regulation D and Regulation CF with respect to the disclosures. Um, in turn, you're allowed to raise from the Main Street investor and you're allowed to generally advertise. Um, with Regulation A, you have to make sure that you have the proper vendors, um, whether you have the broker-dealer, a transfer agent is required, an escrow agent is generally required, uh, and you have to have audited financials. Um, that's just a 10,000-foot view of the, uh, of the regulations, but 
compliance is extremely important in these private offerings. Right, exactly. And just uh, um, for a little bit more clarity, um, what is the difference between regulation D, regulation CF, and regulation A um, in terms of what it is people are trying to achieve? Like people are just, sorry, Nick, to throw that one in, but people generally, you know, throw around terms like accredited investor and and non-accredited or, or retail investor. Who can who can sort of get involved in which of these types of transactions? And what, what is the general difference? Sure. So with Regulation D, you are targeting mostly accredited investors. For Regulation uh, D, there's two types. There's 506B, which is a reference to the, the number and the rule, the actual regulation. And then there's 506C. Generally speaking, Regulation D investors are going to be accredited investors, meaning they're high net worth individuals or uh, companies with a certain amount of money. And you will usually have a pre-existing relationship with them. Uh, a good example is uh, hedge funds use Regulation D 506C, uh, meaning they're targeting very wealthy individuals to raise capital to go on and use that money as they see fit. One of the things that doesn't generally get pulled up is the Regulation D is permitted, you are permitted to be an investment company, meaning you're using that fund, those funds to go purchase securities in another company. That is not allowed under Regulation CF or Regulation A. Um, regulation CF, it's for smaller offerings, uh, up to $5 million, uh, and you're allowed to generally solicit from retail investors, what I like to call Main Street investors. You know, normal people out on the street, you can go solicit to them, uh, whether that's over social media, um, in magazines and print and other print, uh, or doing uh, symposia and conferences. You can solicit, that is what general solicitation is. Regulation A is for your companies that are generally a little more sophisticated, meaning they have to raise up to $75 million, but the trade-off there is that it's a higher cost to get in. There's a higher cost burden, whether it's from required uh, vendors such as a transfer agent. Uh, you will be required to have audited financials. Um, furthermore, you have to disclose a significant uh, significantly amount, uh, significantly more, excuse me, um, under Regulation A. It's akin to an S-1. The Form 1A is akin to an S-1. And that requires a little more sophistication in your business operations to where you can disclose under that form. Okay. And, and you raised um, a good point. So audited financials for Regulation A. Um, are there audits required? And, and I'm just going to throw this out as part of the lead into my next question. Are audits required for either Regulation D or Regulation CF? And what do companies need to do to sort of prepare um, for a fundraising when it comes to uh, any of these regulations um, from a compliance perspective or just preparation? Sure. So audits are required for Regulation CF if the amount is above a certain threshold. It's around $1 million. Uh, So if you're trying to go above that $1 million mark, you will have to get audited financials. Uh, we've actually seen several of our clients 
try to stay under that so they don't uh, accrue the cost of the audited financials. Um, to prepare for that, and this, is, this goes generally for Regulation D, Reg CF, and Reg A, regardless of whether you're getting audited financials, the accounting and bookkeeping um, prior to the entering this offering process is highly recommended. Let's put it that way. You don't want to get into this process without having uh, your accounting uh, you know, cleaned up and your, book, your books cleaned up um, prior to entering this process. And that goes not only for accounting, but that also goes to your corporate documentation. And that's something that we see all the time is people will start this process uh, without having very clean corporate documents and very clean operations prior to this process. And it makes the process for putting these offerings together a lot more difficult. Understood. And, and I think um, just so a lot of people understand, the preparation phase can be, um, you know, a, a mess or it can be fairly simple, depending, not simple, but uh, relatively simple compared to some of the other ones, depending how organized the company is, right? So I've seen uh, in my years of corporate finance uh, services, I've seen companies come looking to find capital and they, they don't have their books in order. They don't have their uh, minute book up to date. They don't have their audits done. Um, any of those types of things can delay um, the timeline it takes to raise capital. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good uh, indicator and, and it's good to sort of keep in mind when you're looking to go raise capital, the, the more up to date and the more ready you are, the quicker and smoother that process typically runs. Um, if you look at even uh, people that say, you know, VC capital is, is uh, another way to go. But yes, it is. But at the same time, VCs don't invest in companies that aren't organized and don't have their, their ducks in a row and everything organized either. So if you go down that path, know that, um, you know, 96, 97% of deals get turned down by VCs. Um, it's not purely just because they're bad ideas. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're not organized. So if, if you don't get yourself organized and take that time to prepare or maintain that all along, um, you know, to maintain your minute book, make sure you're up to date, your audits are ready, um, you know, your lawyer's in sync, uh, your, your auditor and accountant are in sync, your quarterback, you know, everybody that's involved in the deal is ready to go. Um, you know, it can significantly delay or derail um, your fundraise. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's something you got to keep in mind as you're moving down the path. Now, you guys over at Reg D Resources, you've you've prepared over 5,000 private placements, um, you know, in, in, in your time. What, and I'm not suggesting you did all of them, Nick, but <laughs> I'm sure you're aware of quite a few of them. What are some of the more common um, compliance mistakes or, or things that people overlook when they're, um, you know, getting ready to do an offering. Yeah, so at Reg D, we've been around since 1999, and there have been some common themes. You know, since 1999, the Jobs Act uh, was passed. It's been amended since 2012 several times, most recently uh, March of 21. Um, and I just looked at the SEC regulation schedule this morning, and they're planning on changing Regulation D again. Um, we don't know exactly what they're going to do. However, it, it is a constantly changing environment, and you need someone that has experience in that environment and knows what 
what the pitfalls are. Some of those pitfalls in, that, that come up time and time again, uh, including you know, yesterday, uh, something like this came up. I'll give you an example. One of, our, one of our clients came to us and they say, oh, by the way, we've raised $4 million in the sale of convertible notes and safes um, before we came to you. Well, this is something I just wanna impress upon everyone listening. Uh, convertible notes and safes are securities and those have to be registered under the proper forms and proper filings with both the SEC and states, uh, state notice filings. Uh, whether that's a Form D or otherwise, they do need to be uh, registered prior. Anytime you raise money, whether it's a friends and family, which is it doesn't actually exist, it, uh, or whether it's a more official filing, it needs to be done uh, properly with the SEC and state notice filings. That's probably the number one thing that we see um, is people raising capital before they even come to us. And then you have to go to the, the lawyers and to the company and try to clean up that cap table. Um, you know, whether the safe event or the convertible note trigger event is going to be triggered by this, this offering is usually a big topic of concern. Um, the other would be improper advertising, uh, both prior to uh, the offering going live and after the offering going live. That includes generally soliciting under a regulation which you are not allowed to generally solicit. Um, it's not putting the, the proper uh, disclosures uh, with the advertising. It's directing the advertising uh, to people that you should not be directing that to. Um, another one that comes up on occasion, uh, it doesn't happen with us and I'll tell you why, but on occasion what will happen is prior offerings or current offerings, the company will not properly maintain investor verification documents, uh, meaning they won't timestamp them. Uh, you know, the investor could be an accredited investor today, but tomorrow they might not be. Um, what we have is we have a service called our portal. We have uh, a web team, web development team, where we will provide you with a forward facing portal, uh, investor facing portal. And the back end of that is maintaining all of the administrative tasks uh, inherent in Regulation D filings. I know that Core Connects also does a lot of that with the Regulation CF filings. I don't know if you do it with Reg D. Um, do you? Uh, we, we do provide some technology in that space as well, and Reg A, yeah. Yeah, so the, maintaining not only the investor verification documents, but uh, the general administrative tasks that are with a Regulation D offering, uh, or rather with any private offering. Uh, I'll give you an example. When I first started out, we did a 504 offering, which is effectively uh, useless. We did a 504 and a 505 and a 506 offering. Maintaining those investor records and those communications um, was itself a full-time job. Now we have the advantage of uh, technology. Um, that's something that our portal does um, very, very well. We've des we designed it. Um, this is we've, we're on our third iteration of our web portal. So we can help you maintain that electronically, which is the better way to do it anyway. Um, right. The last thing I'd say that a lot of companies come come to us with with regulation D seems to be the the, the top 
the top regulation for this, but it's improper disclosures. Improper disclosures or truly insufficient disclosures um, that lack all regulatory and all compliant uh, disclosure requirements. Right. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And and just to cover back to your point there, Nick, you know, we we're a technology company, uh, you know, uh, mainly. So we're we're just providing the tech. It's people like yourselves that actually uh, guide clients through or or guide the issuers through all of these regulations and and so forth to help them along their way. Um, you know, we from a perspective of of the three regulations, um, you know. It, you brought up some great points and some great issues and things to be concerned with. What What is your sort of experience um, and trend that you see the last couple of years sort of moving into the next couple of quarters moving forward? Is it heavily Reg D? Is it Reg A? Is it Reg CF? Um, is, it, is it a mix? Um, what seems to be your, your take on what's happening in the market? Yeah, so the past few years, uh, you know, since COVID changed uh, changed everything, the past few years we've seen a kind of a drop off in the volume of Reg Ds. Uh, uh, over the past, I'd say over the past two years, there's been a drop off in the Reg Ds. However, uh, in March 2021, the SEC changed the maximum offering amount for Regulation CF from one million, around one million to 5 million. What that did is it allowed for a lot more companies that needed more and that needed to really just put out their story um, to the Main Street investor. It also brought a lot more people into the uh, to the space. Uh, people like Reg D Resources. We didn't do Reg, uh, Reg CF offerings uh, until recently simply because it just wasn't worth our time. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it, and there weren't enough people in the space and clients within the space for us to get into it. Since that change, we've recently gotten into the space, uh, and we've seen the Reg CF volume take up what would have been Reg D volume, uh, otherwise would have been Reg D volume. Um, Reg A Plus, we launched our Reg A Plus service over two years ago, and we've seen the volume steadily increase with Reg A. Um, I think the reason for that is the maximum offering amount has been brought up from 50 to 75 million, but it's also created a, a, a process whereby more sophisticated, more sophisticated companies can go in and they can uh, raise that massive amount of capital um, from the Main Street investor. Uh, what Reggae really allows to do is it allows you to put your company in front and your novel idea uh, in front of normal people, um, where you can where you can solicit you know uh, minimum offering or minimum investment amounts of say one hundred dollars from a massive amount of people. It really increases the pool of potential investors. Um, we have actually recently, uh, meaning within the past six months, we've actually seen an uptick in Regulation D volume and Regulation CF volume um, with a constant volume of Regulation A. So we see that as a positive outlook for the private markets, uh, for private investment companies. Uh, generally speaking, 
the private and public markets are inherently different. Inherently different. Um, private allows for more long-term upside at the cost of liquidity of your shares. Um, but with that uptick in Reg D and Reg CF, those investors are trying to capitalize on the public downturn. Right. So you're seeing, and, and at least this is what I've been seeing on this side, is people are staying, it seems people are staying private kind of longer um, using the Regulation A or Regulation CF or even Reg D to raise their capital privately, uh, stay private longer, uh, and then go public at a later point, um, sort of when they're more capitalized and more prepared. That's right. Um, at least I found in the past that some of these companies that go public too early uh, take their kind of eyes off of running the company and have to sort of focus on investor relations, public relations activities, um, which sort of sidetracks a small business when their CEO has already enough responsibility moving forward. So it's interesting to see that shift. And I don't know if, if, if that's consistent from what you're seeing, but it's certainly, uh, certainly what I'm seeing. And I, and I think, um, I think the increase in these regulations from 50 million to 75 for Reg A and, like you said, uh, five uh, increase to 5 million for Reg CF makes them a lot more attractive for small businesses who are looking to raise capital. So, um, you know, they can take their opportunities to, to do it a different way. Um, that being said, you know, they have to understand, uh, and I think you're giving them a great picture here of, the types of things they need to sort of be aware of to do these transactions, um, particularly Reg A. I mean, Reg CF, um, you've seen a lot of successful crowdfunding platforms um, that have sort of helped small businesses get uh, some of that capital. So a lot of people have taken for granted the fact that they can go to a crowdfunding portal and, and, and pull together some capital. Even if you go to the portals, though, they'll tell you the same thing that most of us will, and that is you got to bring an audience. Um, if, if you're looking to raise capital from uh, a lot of people, you need to have access to a lot of people. Um, the crowdfunding platforms have access to some, but they're not going to fill your entire offering, uh, generally speaking. So it's good to have a good um, following of people. So social media becomes important. Um, messaging becomes important. Um, you know, marketing becomes important, investor outreach and acquisition uh, as, a, as a, um, a domain becomes very important. And corralling all of that information uh, and moving forward and having a plan of attack is, is also going to be key. Um, is, is there anything in that that I've missed in terms of uh, outlying, uh, sorry, out, out, aligning some of the things that they need to do in terms of preparing for that fundraising. Yeah. So we're, we're talking a lot about the, the compliance aspect and the disclosure requirements and what you need to get into the offering to make that offering live. I think another facet, uh, one of the bigger facets is marketing and having that plan of attack and knowing how you're going to try to solicit those investors. Um, we do not advise on that, but what we found is that the successful offerings have a very defined plan of attack, not only with getting the, the offering live, which is what we help do. We help quarterback that whole process. Uh, we can take that responsibility out, out of the uh, C-suite's hands. No, it really comes down to how are you going to advertise 
this offering to the types of investors that you're looking for. Um, and that's another point that I wanted to bring about the difference between private and public markets is that the, the investors are inherently different. There are different types of investors. You know, with private offerings, you're really looking at longer hold times. Um, you're looking at the at the longer hold times for these securities and the longer upside. And the trade-off is that, you know, the upside for these private companies and these private investments is potentially uh, exponentially larger than public companies. Now, whether or not the, the, the public company go, or the private company goes live or not, and there's that liquidation event. Um, in private companies, a lot of the liquidation events is a buyout from a public company. Right, right. I mean, it, it's it's kind of important as, as companies are raising capital and, and, and thinking about their plans that they have thought about um, exit strategy and, and, and their plan moving forward. I mean, acquisitions are great, but um, they're not always there to be relied on. <laughs> so, um, you know, if somebody comes and says their only uh, strategy is acquisition being acquired, you know, being acquired by Google, um, then, you know, that's, that's a bit of a question mark more than an answer. So you need to make sure that uh, as you sit and plan, you think about exit strategy, you think of secondary markets, for instance, which are now popping up in, in the private space. You you can think about uh, eventually going public once you've gotten to a certain point. So those kinds of things are important. There's also an ongoing compliance. I mean, we've talked a lot here about um, compliance related to an offering. And, and I know that's kind of your specialty, um, but there's there's ongoing compliance that has to be sort of maintained from, from the end of a fundraise, Nick, uh, maybe you could give us just a, a little bit of color on what types of compliance issues that they may want to consider also. And I'm thinking, obviously, you're going to have filings at the end of the, of, of the fundraise. You're going to have some ongoing filings that you need to maintain. Um, and then other compliance type issues that you can think of. Just anything you can add to that would be great. Sure. So, so as you mentioned, there are ongoing reporting requirements for Regulation CF and Regulation A. Um, with Regulation D, the ongoing compliance really comes from it, it's it's a self-starting compliance, meaning the company has to do it on their own, in their own initiative. And what that really entails is, for Regulation D, it's reporting any material changes to the existing investors. Um, if the if the if the offering is still live, if you're still taking on investment with the Regulation D, you have to send them a new PPM that reflects whatever changes happened in the company. Um, after the raise is closed for Reg D, it's just whatever ongoing requirements, uh, ongoing reporting requirements are required under your shareholders agreement, your articles, your bylaws, whatever. Uh, with the Regulation CF there and Regulation A. There's ongoing reporting in that there's a semi-annual and annual uh, reporting requirements. Um, with Regulation A and CF, you actually have to submit those to the SEC uh, on the, uh, the requisite forms. Uh, with those, it's generally the same standard, uh, meaning you have your semi-annual and your annual, but if there are any material changes to your company, you have to report them to your current shareholders and prospective investors. Uh, 
Compliance with respect to state notice filings, you you know, you may have to do annual state notice filing, filing saying that your offering is still in place. Um, with all of these, you are still beholden to your bylaws, your shareholders agreement, your articles, your operating agreement with respect to whatever reporting is required under those. Um, but the other compliance that you have to stay on top of is your advertising. Um, you have to make sure that you're soliciting to the proper people and that the solicitations uh, are compliant under whatever regulation you're doing. Right. You brought up one other point that I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to discuss about exit strategy. Um, and this is something that I've always advised as a corporate lawyer, not necessarily a securities lawyer, but before you get into these uh, these offerings and you start giving out, shares or equity ownership or in some cases debt to whoever your investors are you have to make sure that your corporate structure is in uh is is not a, compliance isn't really the right word but it's appropriate for what you're trying to do for example if you are trying to have uh if your only exit strategy is to go public your shareholders agreement your articles and your operating agreement are going to be uh tailored to that um, with respect to the types of securities that you're going to put out. Um, you don't want to get with, I'll give you an example with regulation a, they are freely transferable, meaning they are not restricted securities, which is to say that regulation a does not prohibit transfer of the shares. Regulation D does regulation CF does to an extent after a year, they're freely transferable, but let's, let's go with regulation a. With Regulation A, you have no restrictions on transferability. Now, what will happen is we'll have a company that just finished a Regulation D offering and their shareholders agreement, their articles say that the shares are completely restricted. They're absolutely restricted stock. Well, you don't want to go into a Regulation A uh, offering without amending your uh, corporate documentation you know, allowing for transferability. If you want them to be trans uh, non-transferable, so be it. That's your decision. But you don't want to go in there with that restriction because let's say that you go and you have a successful offering. Well, now you have 10,000 more shareholders and removing that restriction on transferability is going to be a nightmare. So it's stuff like that that you have to clean up before you get into the process. And that's something that we help you with. We'll work with your corporate attorneys uh, talking about certain provisions that simply should not be in there. Uh, I'll give you another example. The SEC uh, absolutely hates arbitration provisions in either the shareholders agreement, the articles, or the uh, subscription agreement. They absolutely hate them. You know, um, we've tried to submit arbitration provisions, and the SEC will automatically throw some comments back to you, um, asking you to amend them to the point to where removing them is the best uh, course of action. It's stuff like that that will help you through. Right. Oh, that's great. No, the structuring is obviously key, and that, that comes back to the front of, of the uh, transaction, getting out ahead of any of that stuff so that you can avoid the pitfalls later on, and, and that's great. Um, you know, if, if you structure it properly from the get-go, um, it makes it a little bit smoother. And, I mean, you're, back to your example, I mean, your example was somebody had done a, a rig CF using a safe and, and you need to consider whether or not that converts on your transaction or 
are moving forward. And there's a lot of people who have done safe. So, you know, that's, that's relevant um, topic of conversation for them to understand what, what it is they're going to be doing in the next round. Um, so very important. So we like to, at Quarkinex, we like to break it into kind of pre-transaction, during transaction and post-transaction when we think about the activities uh, because at CoreConnex, we're an infrastructure product. We're there to help the companies manage their data online um, and manage a variety of these tasks as they go through. In order to do that, we break it down into those categories. So prior, as you mentioned, is, is the preparing. Um, you know, it's getting yourself ready. It's, um, you know, getting the structure of the transaction and the company organized before you can go to the transaction. And then, you know, obviously you guys are there helping with that and then helping manage Throughout the transaction, there's a variety of things that happen, uh, outreach to investors to make sure they're done uh, compliantly, make sure you're doing everything properly, making sure you're doing, if there's uh, accredited investor checks, you're doing those investor accreditation checks. Whether you have a broker involved, um, and we, we highly recommend in most cases, brokers are involved uh, in a lot of these transactions, depending on which type you're using, um, which type of exemption you're using. Uh, and, and of course, making sure that all the other participants are moving and working on the schedule. So um, finding an ecosystem um, like the ones you've created and we've created where partners have worked together on these types of transactions and they know what has to be done and in what order um, becomes hugely important for maintaining that compliance and making sure that you get through as efficiently as possible as well. And then, as I mentioned, and as you did as well, you know, post-transaction, there's a variety of other transact, uh, other uh, types of activities that you need to be made aware of and, and maintain to keep uh, your compliance, you know, um, up to date, whether it's the filings, whether it's the national um, securities register when you're, when you're getting ready to, uh, you know, reach that secondary market trading component. Um, you know, there's some legal requirements there to make sure you're in the register and, and you've done the the, the filings at all the states. Um, those kinds of things are important. You want to make sure that you've talked to your lawyer and, and talked to your team about uh, what your plan is um, and, and discussed all aspects of that plan. And then, of course, your ongoing requirements just to communicate with your, your shareholders is a big one. Um, you know, as, as you just said, you could have 10,000 new shareholders and maintaining and, and communicating with them typically in, in the old model would have been a, a real headache. Now that we've got technology, CoreConnex is an example, there are others that help um, with the communication piece and with staying compliant, uh, with doing your AGM online, uh, e-voting, um, any of those kinds of things that you need to do to maintain your ongoing compliance are, are, are critical as well. So always consider um, sort of all aspects um, of, of what it is you're trying to do and, and if the more planning you do, the, the smoother it should go, hopefully. Agreed. So that, was, that was more of a statement, I guess, than a question, Nick. And no, it's true. I'd like to just add on to that. You have to understand that a lot of your investors are going to be pinged, uh, you know, whether it's through cookies or algorithms, they're going to be pinged with other private offerings. Uh, mm -hmm. Having a professional look to your private offering and having a professional uh, feel to the whole process is uh, critical to getting that investment. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, Nick. Is there anything else that we think we need to share with 
uh, the audience at this point? No, I think, I think we covered. I think we covered a, a lot of a lot of uh, ground here. I would just like to say that uh, if you have any questions regarding your offering, whether you're considering an offering, please uh, feel free to give me or the company a call. Awesome. Yeah, no, uh, please do. So again, uh, thanks to Nick uh, for taking the time out and helping us uh, provide this information to you, Regulation D Resources. He's a great resource and he's very helpful. Um, also, you can reach out to people at the Core Connects team and we'll help guide you to uh, other professionals in the ecosystem if you need uh, you know, uh, help in any of the other aspects that we discussed here today. Again, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. All right, thank you.